Welcome to the Kick Bump Kick Pod, your fortnightly DM on all things motherhood. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Kick Bump Kick Pod. I'm very excited to be back. We have an epic, epic, uh, I think I can say that. I'm a little bit biased, obviously, but <laughs> episode for you today. I'm really excited about this guest. But before we get into it, I'm going to give you a little bit of a Harvey update. In case some of you weren't already aware through what I've shared on socials, and uh, I think I might have even touched it, or maybe I didn't touch on it in the last kickboard, but basically, I have got a lot of work coming up and I am stepping back into work just a little bit and I will be away from Harvey. And one thing that's been making me incredibly anxious is um, bottle feeding him. Now, when he was a newborn, he took the bottle really easy. And I remember a lot of mums messaged me and said, like, how have you got him to take the bottle? Like, what are your secrets? And I didn't understand it because when he was a baby, like newborn, he just he just took it. He, he didn't complain whatsoever. It was as if it was the boob. And so I never really related to those comments. But then we went into lockdown and I just didn't need to use the bottle. And one friend gave me a piece of advice, which I did not listen to. And I really wish I did. And so I'm passing it on to all of you guys. If you have a newborn, um, and I mean, as they're getting older, even if you don't need to bottle feed, like even if you're always with them, I highly recommend trying to keep like it kind of in your routine to regularly bottle feed them. Even if it is bottle feeding them breast milk and you're just pumping and then bottle feeding them that breast milk. It's just so that when it does come to bottle feeding them, they're used to it. They know, like, you know that they can take it because I can't tell you how overwhelming it's been for me and how anxious it's made me about all the work coming up. Harvey wasn't taking the bottle and I was really, really struggling. I felt like we tried everything, mum feeding him, Josh feeding him, me feeding him, feeding him in the dark, feeding him downstairs, um, lying in different positions. And he just like had no interest in the bottle. I tried different bottles, different teats and nothing was seeming to work. And then a friend of mine, M, recommended I tried feeding him first thing in the morning, like when he was super hungry. And I tried that and at first he wasn't happy about it, but then he realized how hungry he was. He realized there was milk coming out and he took the bottle. Then I followed up um, that same day, the second feed, I tried the bottle again and he took it. And then from there, you know, almost every second day we've done a bottle feed just to get him used to it and he was taking it. And this last week I've been at work and he's been drinking out of the bottle like a champ. So I'm definitely feeling a whole lot better about work and and everything. So I I just wanted to share that because I know bottle feeding can be such a headache and a real stressful thing to go through. Um, And there's so many different tips and tricks people should like to share. Um, And everything is going to, you know, work differently for everyone. Every bub's different, every mum's different. But yeah, for me, really persisting with the same bottle, but just making sure that I had the updated like teat for his age and um, yeah, persisting and then feeding him at a time that he was super hungry. So like in the morning, those were the things that really helped me. And I think something that would, would absolutely help, which I wish I did, was just keeping it in his routine, even when we didn't need to use it. Uh, so yeah. I think another thing that I wanted to share, which I kind of made a giggle at myself and I wrote into my notes to, to tell you guys, I don't know if it's just me or if it's a mum thing, but ever since we started Harvey on solids, like obviously his poo is changing and it's now uh, like a solid poo, but like I kept on missing them. So like he went from pooing like two to three times a day to like once every three days. And that was obviously because we just included 
um, solids and his body was still getting used to digesting it. So over those few weeks or the week, I like, it was always when Josh had to change a diaper that there was a poo. And so I hadn't witnessed a solid poo yet. And it was so funny because I remember like he yelled out to me one time, like, oh my gosh, he's got a poo. Like it's a solid one. And I ran up the stairs so excited because I just wanted to see it. And I just felt like in that moment, I laughed at myself and I was like, okay, this is a bit strange. Like you're getting extremely excited to see a poo. Like this is, um, this is motherhood for you. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, anyway, that's about it. And the other thing I need to navigate at the moment is going to bed earlier because I'm so excited. We're out of lockdown, seeing friends and family, having them over, going out. It's all, it's all well and good, but I need to remember that I've got a five slash 6am wake up call every morning with Harvey. Um, and yeah, often I forget that until I hear, until I see the clock tick over midnight and I'm like, oh, good on you, Stephanie. Now you're going to have five or six hours sleep. So need to get onto that. need to get better at that, but it's all good. All good. Having a great time. Um, now my special share this week is a mum hack, a friend DM'd me, which I thought was brilliant. Basically she said, cause she saw me pumping for Harvey and using like my electronic, um, the Medela like breast pump, but I was holding it in place. And she said, find an old tight sports bra, like one that you don't wear anymore and chop little holes in the nipple area. And then you can just like, it'll just hold there in place. Brilliant. And I know there's other ways that you can also like twist some, um, nursing bras like around them. I've seen people do that too, but yeah, I just thought it was a really, a really good one to share. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Now, because we are early with the kick bump podcast, um, I am recording this before I've been able to see any, um, emails come through for your beautiful mum moments. Um, but what I'm talking about in case you missed episode one, I am going to start every episode with a bit of a a mum moment share. So I shared one in episode one and um, I would love to share your story. So anytime that you've done something where you're like maybe smacked your forehead um, or had a little bit of a giggle at yourself, those kind of things, I love sharing these things. I think it's really important that none of us feel alone in these silly little mistakes that we make um, and just have a bit of a laugh. So I've actually got a mum moment from Tracy, who's in my beautiful little mother's group. And she said, I managed to wash all the bedding. I love fresh sheets same. Forgot they were in the dryer when we went to bed and there's absolutely nothing worse than being totally ready for bed and having to actually put sheets on. Completely agree. Anyway, I woke up the next morning drenched with the brand new sheets drenched, underlay drenched. I forgot to put breast pads in my bra and I was sleeping on my tummy. Milk everywhere. And I just laughed at this because I, yeah, I often forget to go to bed. I keep thinking like, oh, nah, I won't need them. And then in the morning I'm like, why Steph? Just wear freaking padding to bed. Um, but it's funny cause it makes me feel like when I wake up in the morning and I've got like a puddle underneath me and it's obviously like it gets cold. It makes me think of like wetting the bed as a child and like, you know, how uncomfortable that feels when you wake up, except it's your top half of your body. Anyway, so funny. That's a great, great mum share. Thanks, Tracy. And as I said, if any of you have anything you'd like me to share on here for a little bit of a laugh, a bit of a mum moment, please email me at podcast at keepacleaner.com.au.
Now for today's guest, because I'm just so excited to get her on. I just want to, I just want to get into this chat. I have got Maggie on, or you might know her as the Peninsula Mama on Instagram. I came across Maggie's page when she was pregnant and I was pregnant. So she was pregnant with Noah, her second. And I was drawn to her content because she was funny, relatable, and she's a really incredible writer. She's really open on her page, often writing about the highs and lows of motherhood, her relationship with her partner, her postpartum journey with her body, sex, and everything in between. And we've been DMing for like over six months now, getting to know each other. And I absolutely loved getting to know her even more through this chat. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hello, Maggie. Welcome to the Kick Bump Kick Pod. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. It's um, it's actually really nice to chat to you. I feel like we've been like DMing each other <laughs> for a little while now. And um, it's nice to actually have a conversation like this. <laughs> I know. I feel like it's just through voice voice notes when our kids are yeah. in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and before we get into today's chat, which I'm so excited to dive into, do you want to tell our listeners just a little bit about, you know, your family, what makes up your family, who makes up your gorgeous family? Sure. So I'm Maggie, or uh, some people know me as the Peninsula Mama on Instagram. Um, I'm a voiceover artist. I've got a Bachelor of Performing Arts uh, and I was school captain in 2007. That was a real highlight for me. Nice. And and, um, I've got my husband, Brad. We've been together for over 11 years. I've got a three and a half year old son, Jagger. And then my daughter, Noah, who is five and a half months. I think she's like a week younger than Harvey. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so close. Yeah. That's so, so nice. And they're so cute. May I say? (laughs) Yeah. Very cute. They are. I must admit. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, maybe I'm biased, um, but yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, we all are. <laughs> I can say from an outsider that they're cute. Um, so what I want to do with each of these episodes is start off with uh, this one same question. And I would love to know if you have, and I'm sure you probably have many, but when you really think about it, maybe a mum moment that you would love to share it could be something like, I was so sleep deprived that I put um, a Jagger's onesie in the dishwasher one time. Like, I don't know, just anything. <laughs> I feel like it's really nice as a mum to to know you're not alone when you're making little mistakes or hiccups like that. One that stands out is that I didn't realise until Jagger had been in pull-ups for six months that you could actually tear the sides so that when there's a poo, you tear the sides and they come off like a nappy. I didn't know that for so for six months he was doing a poo and I was trying to slide the pull up down and it was getting poo all over the back of his legs and it was just a whole moment for six months and then someone said to me what are you doing and I'm like I'm (laughs) taking his pull up off and she's like just rip the sides and the kicker is it even has that on the box I just didn't read the instructions because I really just didn't think that pull-ups needed instructions, but obviously I was wrong. (laughs) So the poor kid for six months was just getting poo all the way down the back of his legs. So that was, that was a learning curve. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm sure there'd be so many people who could relate to that. And and thank you because Harvey's not in pull-ups yet. And now that I know, I will not make that mistake. Mum's helping mums. That's what it's all about. (laughs) 
Exactly right. And I saw on your stories the other day, actually, um, you had the same realisation that I did that some of those onesies with the envelope shoulders are so that you can pull them down when there's a poo explosion instead of over their head. That's yeah. brilliant. I, I just thought it was like a cute little design thing for same. babies. And I mean, like you're five months into motherhood and you're just figuring that out. I was, I'm like three and a half years and just figuring that out. So I feel like you're ahead. So you're doing really well. <laughs> Oh, thanks. Thanks. No, but it was, um, I swear it was in the same week that you did that story. I was like, I just learned this too. I, I always thought it was like, for, I don't know, bigger headed babies. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Like me too. And I, and I always thought like, what is, what is this? Why don't adults have this? Like, is this, is it cheaper to make them this way? Like I'm confused. <laughs> I love it. Um, so a big reason I wanted to get you on. I mean, I, I love following you. I love your content that you share. It's very relatable and inspiring and empowering. And it's just, it's a breath of fresh air. And I think one thing that I would really love to cover off with you today, which is I think a huge one would be like mum guilt. Um, and then obviously like, you know, things that can contribute to mum guilt, like mum shaming or judging, which I hate that that even exists. Um, because I feel like even five months in as a mum, Experience it, my, experiencing it myself, I couldn't imagine putting that heavy judgment on someone else. Like that's, you know, anyway, <laughs> each to their own. Um, but I really applaud you for how, how raw you are and how open you are. Um, and, and even with your own struggles with mum guilt and everything like that. So I wondered if you would be open to sharing um, a little bit of, you know, have you experienced mum guilt, like anything that comes to mind? Um, what do you think triggers it? And, you know, what do you do that helps you through it when you are struggling? I think mum guilt is like next level. You hear about it when you're pregnant and you're like, no, like I'm not going to feel guilty when I want to go and get my hair done. Like, no, mum guilt's not for me. Uh, but it happens and it happens so often in such weird circumstances too. For me, mum guilt usually happens at the end of the day when I look back on the day and I think, oh, I could have done that better. And why didn't I, why wasn't I more present? Why did I yell so much? Why couldn't I have done this? And I look back and think, why wasn't I the mum that I wanted to be today? And you can't go back. And, And you have so many people tell you that they're only little for so long. And you look at these little people and, and, their brains haven't fully formed yet. You spent nine months creating their body and now their brains are being formed and you're in control of that too. It's a lot of pressure. And I think that's where the shaming and the judgment comes from. Because at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the best we can. But what works for one mum isn't going to work for the next. What's right for one kid isn't going to be right for the next. But because we're all doing it differently... It's almost like we, we're so self-conscious about it that when someone does something differently to us, we're doubting ourselves. So it's like, oh my gosh, if she's doing it that way, maybe I'm wrong. And sometimes I think that can come across in DMs as, as judgment because people feel like you're attacking them by making a different choice when it's, it's not about them at all. It's just about your family and, and, trying to work work out what suits 
your needs, your family's needs, your baby's needs, because they're so different. And honestly, going from one child to two, I thought, oh, well, I'm a mom. Like, I know what I'm doing. Second child. Like, how different can they be? Babies are different. <laughs> Babies are Really different. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I've I've heard I've heard about it, but um, I I wanted to say I think um the thing about like DMs and everything like that, it is a it is a really big trigger. I feel like there's days where I feel like I've got this and I feel really confident in what I'm doing, and you know I'm I'm not really struggling with mum guilt, and then like, bam, I'll get something that's like, oh, you should be doing this instead or you should try this or that doesn't seem right or something or this is what I did with my kids and then I start to question what I was doing and then the mum guilt just, like, crawls in because I feel like maybe I wasn't doing the best thing for Harvey and it just what I try and think to is, like, it's really about surviving. I mean, you're keeping a human alive at the end of the day and whilst we would all love to thrive every day and we love our children to thrive every single day, at the end of the day, the most important thing is that they're surviving and that they're loved. And I think, um, yeah, there's going to be days where we feel like we've really got it all together and, you know, they've had plenty of tummy time. We've fed them really well and just played with them and engaged with them and we go to bed with our head on the pillow thinking that was great, but you can't do that every day. No, and every day is different. Every single day is different. And I think I didn't realize how many choices there were to parenting in a day. Like you said, tummy time, when they're going to bed, how they're going to bed, what they're playing with, what they're not playing with. Are they having screen time? What are they watching when they're having screen time? What's the language that you're using? How many times did you pick them up? Have you made eye contact with them? Are they smiling? What type of nappies are you using? It's just all of these thoughts you, like you said, you're trying to do the best that you can and then throw in someone just being like, oh, are you sure that's the best decision? And it just crumbles because you're just like, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best every second of the day. And sometimes our best is amazing. And sometimes, like you said, our best is just surviving. And that has to be enough. It just has to be. Yeah. And so when you're like, I don't know, when the guilt does like crawl in, what are your ways of kind of coping with it? When I'm feeling the guilt, I I think I go back to whose voices am I listening to and who knows me, who knows my child, who wants the best for me and my child and those are the voices that I cling on to and also knowing that I don't doubt how much I love my children. I know I love my children. I know I want to do the absolute best by them And that's what I cling on to when the mum guilt sets in because at the end of the day, I love these kids and there is no one on earth that has gotten parenting right every day in every single moment. So, yeah, you just have to kind of like pat yourself on the back at the end of the day and be like, they're they're happy. You did the best that you could. Tomorrow's a new day. No expectations because tomorrow could be completely different. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. No expectations is something I, yeah, I kept on having to remind myself of because it's like you get them into some sort of routine or you have a good couple of days or a good couple of nights and then you think like, oh, this is great. And then all of a sudden they might have a bit of a shitty night or they might be a bit shitty throughout the day and you, and you think like it's something that you've done and you just yeah. suddenly learn 
nothing that you're doing. It just happens. <laughs> Absolutely. And you go through everything. What did I eat? If what you're breastfeeding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did I eat? What times did I put them to bed? Oh my gosh. Did I use like a different laundry detergent? And I've got mm. postnatal anxiety. So mm. my thoughts are very intrusive. Yeah. I get really, um, they catastrophize. The yeah. So yeah. if she's yeah. in bed and, you know, she's just got like a little rash, I'm like, oh, what did, what did we use? What's in the water? What, you know, oh, I'm Googling and just Googling is not a positive. Oh man. Google is not a positive experience at the best of times. And when you're a parent, Googling is, yeah, no, it's a no from me. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I keep having to tell myself off for it too. I'm and just reminding myself like there's plenty of other people to reach out to, whether it's your own mum or your mother's group or like your doctor, like literally anyone else but Google will be exactly great, for some reason. Exactly. <laughs> and that green do. book that you get in Victoria yeah. has all of the numbers on the back. Just ring them. Yeah. And they're so lovely. I've yeah. ring them a couple of times and they're like, Yep everything's okay and sometimes you just need someone to tell you everything's okay and then you're like oh, all right yep everything's fine everything's fine absolutely I mean that's such a good tip too I mean they, they there's a reason we're given those numbers exactly <laughs> to use them <laughs> um and they probably appreciate the parents who do call <laughs> um now speaking of experiences and you know again I love how open you are about you know things that you're trying or things that you do as a parent um, and you do it in such a in such a way where you're not telling anyone that this is how they should do it or anything. It's just this, I'm just telling you my experience because I know people have questions about it. And one of those things um, recently was sleep school, and which was literally this week. Um, yeah, So we. I know, yeah, you spoke quite openly about, you know, copying a bit of slack for it. And I, I want to say when I mentioned... Um, online that I was sleep training with Harvey, I did too. And I did to the point that I had to turn my, um, I had to filter through my messages and, and turn the filter on so that I didn't get any negativity because I just couldn't handle it because it was something that I went into already questioning. Like I wanted to do it because I really wanted to, and for me, for my schedule and for the way we live, I needed a routine. I needed to be able to get Harvey to a routine and I had no idea how to do that. And also I just wanted to like learn, I had no idea about things like, um, you know, how long they should possibly be awake for. We were keeping him up way too long and like not napping him enough and like just not, he wasn't sleeping enough. So he was constantly overtired and I wouldn't have known that if I didn't reach out for help. So there was definitely other things outside of like just finding a routine that I learned and found really helpful. Um, but when I was open about it, you know, people have a really strong opinion on whether you could you should do sleep training or sleep school or anything and I think each to their own and I know you, you do too but I know that with Jagger and, and Noah that you you went through sleep school so do you want to talk a little bit about that experience and how you found it and then also definitely if you could touch on the stuff that you copped because you recently also took some time off off social media because it got so bad when I talk about sleep on social media it is opinion city. There is something about sleep. And I think also sleep and what you're feeding your baby. Those are like the two things that are just, it It gets crazy. Sleep training, I think, has such a stigma around it. I think people think of sleep training and they're like, you just lock your baby in a room and 
they're crying and you you don't care about them and and it's like that's not it at all sleep school I went with Jagger and it took me a really long time to reach out and get help with him uh, because of the stigma around it because I thought that if I ask for help I'm failing and I had yeah and it's I think society puts all this pressure on mums that you have to be everything to everybody and if you need help well then you're not as good as this person whose life is perfect and who can do it all I can't do it all and I went into motherhood not knowing a thing I didn't even know how to change a nappy I had no oh, yeah, me clue. Neither. I'd never changed one either. <laughs> no, and, and you know what? My girlfriends were always like, oh, I want children and like, oh, give me the newborn, the newborn smell. And I was like, yeah, um, they can't hold their heads up. And when I hold them, I like, I don't know if they're breathing. Please, Lord, take the baby away from me. I didn't have that gene. So when you're in the newborn bubble and you're stressing about everything and I find sleep deprivation really hard. I'm sure everybody does. For me, it was just like, I think it triggered my anxiety because I didn't have anxiety before um, having Jagger. And my girlfriend had gone to sleep school and she was like, it's not what you think. 95% of what sleep school is, is helping you and giving you the tools to um, help your baby and get into routine. So with Jagger, I went And it was the most incredible experience. There was so much care, so much love. Your voice was heard. Um, You you were just validated in in how you're feeling, in how you were feeling. And I thought with Noah, maybe I don't have to go again. Maybe I have all the techniques. I'll be able to do it. But again, I needed the help. So this week. I went and I thought, I'm going to talk openly about sleep school because I know so many mums struggle with sleep and sleep school has this big stigma attached to it. And really sleep school is called um, an early parenting center. And I think that's probably a better name for it. It really does help you get into a routine with your child, absolutely. But it gives you techniques on how to resettle and recognizing the different cries. Because I didn't know that. Every time (gasps) Jagger or Noah would make a noise, I'd be up on the breast here, feed. This will help. And especially with Noah, her digestion was the first thing that I noticed this week that got better. She was doing, before sleep school, she was doing these explosive poos. She was overtired. She was grumpy. Day three at sleep school, she was so vocal and laughing and happy. And I was just like, there's my baby. Like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. So Mm -hmm. it helps them and it helps you. But because of the stigma attached to sleep school, the DMs, And the noise from social media got so loud and my anxiety kind of picked up on that. And I realized that I was trying to, um, I was trying to please everyone. I was like, no, you don't understand. Like she's having a good time and I'm learning. I'm not, I'm not doing the wrong thing. And I think I was so self-conscious about it because at the end of the day, I want to be the best parent I can be. And I'm so self-conscious about my parenting. I'm constantly doubting myself because I want to get it right. Viola, yeah. Yeah. So when you have people going, you're emotionally damaging your child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is just, it's a lot. You're in this hospital environment. 
Um, yes, you have people that, you know, the doctors and the nurses that are wonderful, but you're, you're outside of your comfort zone. And it's the first time that I have switched off social media. I haven't gone back yet because I need to get to a space where I'm okay again with not pleasing everyone and recognizing that not everyone is right for me. I'm not right for everyone and that's okay. And I, I don't think I'm there yet. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's really great that you can like acknowledge that and see that. And, um, I suppose don't push yourself to race back to it or to, you know, to stick around. If, if you ever feel this way again, it, at least you know how it's felt to step back, um, and know that you can, um, I know I certainly have to at times. Absolutely. But I mean, one thing, that, as I mentioned before, one thing that I've worked out on Instagram that I didn't even know you could do was filtering the DMs and you know whilst it's literally filtered 98% of negative stuff that comes through my DMs and it's been awesome because I think whilst you want to be open for like this is not to do with parenting this is to do with just other things and business related maybe but like you want to be open for criticism and everything and I'm learning every day I know I'm not perfect but when it comes to the stuff that I share about motherhood as you said I was already doubting myself with every decision I was making I really didn't need a stranger who didn't know me or know my life or anything to have their two cents and say it in such a judgmental way as well or Or even when they didn't say it in a rude way and they tried to put it in like a, you know, this is coming from a good place. But then what they would say was so judgmental that I was like, is it? Is it? I don't know if it is. Um, If you have to start like a DM with um, something like, um, I don't mean to, like, don't take this the wrong way, but. Yeah. Don't send it. Yeah. If you have to start yeah. a DM like that, do not send the DM because it will be judgmental. Um, I got oh. sent articles. People would send me articles and then they would also send me like memes of like your baby, um, when your baby cries, you you need to be there so that they they know that you're there for them, like those type of things. And I was just like, dude, I don't need that right now. Like mm, not for me, not for me. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, until we started sleep training, Josh and I were very, like, I was very reactive with my parenting, you know, exactly like you. If if Harvey was, he even blinked and he was awake in the cot, I was like there. I just thought, okay, he's up. I need to get him up. And then I'd (laughs) try everything. I didn't know the concept of like, you know, letting them be comfortable by themselves in their cot and, you know, make sure that their cot isn't a scary place like that. If the more time they can spend in there, you know, the better. And I remember when we first started sleep training, it was so overwhelming because, you know, I, cause he was un, un, like not sleeping enough, <laughs> kind of depriving him of his nap times. Um, we were so used to having him up so much that putting him in his cot so much, it felt, it did feel weird at the, at the start because it was different for us. Um, but we instantly started seeing, you know, an improvement in his quality of sleep, his awake times. He was so, exactly what you said. He was so much happier and chatty and everything. And then his overnight sleeps just became amazing. So we saw improvements straight away, but before they kind of hit me and when I was still in that stage of like, oh, I don't know, is this the right thing? Are we doing the right thing? I was copying these messages that were saying things like, you know, the reason why he might cry for a bit and then just go silent is because he doesn't think you're ever going to come back. You're making him feel like an orphan. And I was like, Oh, oh. oh shit. Like, is that 
oh my God, are we making him feel like an orphan that we're never going to return? And it's just horrible. And, and I, I, I get it. I mean, like it's not for everyone and that's fine. Like you don't have to do sleep training. You don't have to do sleep school. Um, I have other friends who, you know, are full-time mums and they can, they can deal with sleep deprivation and they're, they're actually quite fine and they don't get you know, emotionally or mentally affected by sleep deprivation and all that sort of stuff. But for me, I'm, I'm much like you. Like if I, when I am really sleep deprived, I am emotional. I am like, and, and it's like a roller coaster. Like I'm like really pissed off at the smallest, littlest things. And I'm just on edge the whole time and stressing about every little thing. Um, and ever since I've been sleeping better, I've, I've been able to kind of manage that. And it is about you as much as it is about them, because if you're not looking after yourself, you can't be, you can't be there for them. Um, yeah, you can't pour so, through an empty cup. Exactly, exactly. And I, I and, look um, at it like if sleep isn't a problem for you, it's not a problem. If sleep is a problem for you, there is resources and there is help out there that align with whatever parenting you feel comfortable with. And if sleep training or sleep school is the way that aligns with us, that's okay. If another type is is okay with you and aligns with you, that's okay. But when sleep isn't a problem for you, that's okay too. But don't judge me because it's a problem for me. And I'm sitting here on my phone and saying like, I'm struggling. And just because you can't, um, you know, someone can't uh, relate to that, that doesn't make my struggles any less. You're really, really open about is how you know being a parent and being a new mum and everything can really affect your relationship too with your partner, oh, yeah. Brad. Um, and yeah. you know, I've it, it's really it's it's really amazing how you know open you are about it. Um, and I think I think obviously one motive behind it. I mean, this is a total guess and assumption, but I believe it would be to make sure that no one's feeling alone in if they're going through similar struggles and everything like that but is there other motives behind it um like what makes you write about those kind of struggles I think I write from a place of uh creativity it's a it's an outlet for me it's it's therapy for me in a way to get it out there and for me it's like if my struggles if the silver lining is that my struggles and putting them out there can help someone that to me is amazing. And when Jagger was born, so it was like three and a half years ago, social media was a very different place. It was very picture perfect. And I was feeling all of these feelings. And as soon as he was born, that was the hardest. Being a parent has been the hardest thing for my relationship with Brad. And anytime I've brought up our relationship, anytime I've written about it, he reads it first and then he's okay with that going up. Cause so I make sure that, um, he's okay with what I'm putting out there because at the end of the day, it's our relationship and he needs to feel comfortable with what's out there. But I feel like with parenting, you see these beautiful, like newborn shots of the smiling couple. And I was looking at them and going like, I am so resentful of you right now. I'm up breastfeeding and I can hear you snoring and then your snoring wakes up the baby. I'm not like, this isn't good for us. And it got to a point where we actually had a conversation after Jack was born and it was like, what are we doing? Are we going to stay together? What is this? And it took us 
to get to that point where we actually went, yeah, we need to start communicating. And I know like people so many times will say, you know, communication is key, but it really is because at the end of the day, your partner will never know what it's like to live in your shoes. And I was expecting that. And I, it was almost like I wanted a gold star for being like, my life has changed more than yours. My life's harder yes. than yours. You get to go to work. You get to be in the car by yourself. Like, how is that not a holiday? How, how, how are you not getting that? And it took us to actually have an open conversation, take the egos away and be like, okay, what do you need from me? Um, yeah. And where are we going with this? And yeah, relationship struggles are one thing that I don't think a lot of people talk about, which absolutely is their prerogative. But when I do talk about it, there are so many couples that feel the same way. And there are so many people that feel validated that, oh my goodness, you know, we're not just seeing these smiling, happy couples with the newborn, that life is rosy and beautiful. There is so much more going on underneath the surface. There is a whole range of emotions and it's normal and it's okay. Yeah. I mean, the range of emotions thing is so true. Cause it's like, you know, I think you think that, I mean, not everyone gets married, but for me and Josh, like when we got married, I thought, okay, we're, we're a team more than ever. This is incredible. Nothing really changed. Um, and then we had a baby and I was like, okay, like we're a team, we're a team, but exactly like you, it's like I was expecting him to read my mind half the time and I'd get really frustrated if he didn't like do what I was thinking. And then I realized I never really communicated to him how I was feeling. Yes. Or, or they do something differently. Him. And you're yeah, like, no, yeah, and we do, do it yeah. this way. Like you're at work and then you come home. Like, no, we do it this way. And they're looking at you like yeah. you're a crazy person. And you're like, no, but this is, this is the way the baby likes it. And they're like, whoa, just like, let me. Let me figure it out. Yeah. Everything's going to be okay. And it, it's hard to navigate because at times you're, you feel so bonded over, over it. Like you're like, okay, like yeah. for example, Harvey in ways has made us closer than ever. And, you know, it's really got this, we've got this beautiful spark and thing to be so proud of. And it's really connected us in so many ways, but then also it's completely thrown out like, our life is totally different now and it will be totally different for the rest of our lives. And, and, you know, we have to be really selfless and, um, it's just, it's totally different to navigate. And so it is that range of emotions you have to go through. And I agree with you. It is something that people, you know, go on and on about, but communication is absolutely everything. And you really need to feel comfortable to be so open with each other or things won't change. And I, yeah. I really needed to keep reminding myself of that because I was like, I, why aren't you getting it? Why aren't you reading my mind right now? <laughs> yeah. And I think also because I, it's like another cliche thing, like parenthood, motherhood changes you. So you've gone your relationship being these two people and then you have a baby and you've both completely changed. On top of that, like you said, your life has completely changed. You're getting to know yourself and you're looking at your partner differently and they're looking at you differently because now you're not the center of the universe. This child is, and you both love this child more than anything. And they're sleeping, you know, for us with Noah, Brad slept in a different room for three months. And I, and I don't think a lot of people talk about that either. And not sleeping next to your partner, I found really difficult. It was like that intimacy had gone. And then on top of that, 
being intimate with your partner, that's just like a whole other ball game when you're touched <laughs> out, you're breastfeeding, and then people are like, yeah, six-week checkup or eight-week checkup. Woo, like your, your partner was must terrified. be so excited. <laughs> and I'm like, Mm-mm, no, like what, Noah's five and a half months, and I'm still not ready. Emotionally, I'm, I'm not ready for that, and I'm okay to be able to say that because I think you have to normalize, like, yes, our bodies might be ready for that, but it's okay if you're not. That's actually mm, okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, especially when it feels just like the first time anyway, it's bloody daunting. Oh, oh <laughs> mate. Yeah. Get the lube. That's all I can say. Take it slow, get the lube. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. Take it slow. <laughs> you can, you can. Um, the other thing I think that I, I just, I applaud you for is the way that you speak um, in the postpartum journey, I think something that we all struggle with, no matter how comfortable you are in your own skin, is your postpartum journey with your body. Um, and I think it's really incredible how, you, how much you speak to, you know, body acceptance and everything like that and really just looking after yourself. Were you in the same headspace, I wondered, when you had Jagger? So when you were a first-time new mum in your postpartum journey, did you have a similar relationship with your body then as you do now? My relationship with my body has never been better than when I gave birth to him. And honestly, it's from this one photo that I took. I was maybe seven hours postpartum. I was in the hospital and I felt so powerful because I was really lucky. I had two incredible birth experiences and I I took this photo and I am smiling in it and my body by society standards, it's probably not what is accepted and all of this stuff, but I felt so powerful. And every time I would look in the mirror and be unhappy with what I saw, I would get my phone and I would look at this photo and I would be reminded that my body is so much more than what it looks like. It's in this incredible vessel that's done this incredible thing that keeps me alive. And it's not It might not be ideal, but for me, I know that I will not be able to love my body every second of every day for the rest of my life. That's just not attainable right now. So body acceptance is something that I'm like, I can, I can get there. And then feeling, feeling that power and then wanting to get strong again and wanting to, I'm like you, I love fitness. I love moving my body. I get such a high from that. And in labor, seeing like what it could do, because I remember when I was pregnant, I'm like, I can do burpees, so I can do labor. Like, it's pretty much like just a really hard workout, right? Like, I'll be fine. (laughs) Wow. Whoa, babes, no. Um, So labor, I think, was being able to have a really great labor experience and being lucky enough to have that has really helped me with my body. And also I think now, yeah, and having kids and being aware, they're always looking at us. They're they're always going to hear what we say and um, their relationship with their body is really important and you're the model for that. So you've got that extra layer as well. Oh, absolutely. That's honestly, that is one of my biggest motivators. I have so many friends who grew up with a lot of insecurities and a lot of that kind of diet culture in their head. And it was all because that, that was their, their mum. Their mum followed diets after diet after diet and that they just 
continuously spoke negatively about their body. Whereas my mum, I never heard her like ever speak down about her body ever. I didn't even know, you know, that she had insecurities. And it was only when I was an adult, I think, and I took her shopping one day that I experienced it. You know, she, she said like, oh no, I, I want to, I want it to cover my knees because I, I hate my thighs. Or she said something like that. And I was like, whoa, I've never heard you speak that way. So I was really lucky because I grew up in a, you know, a household with, with an older woman, my mom being my mom, um, who just didn't really speak about that. And, um, I think now that I've grown up and I've, I've, as I said, I've got friends who didn't have that. And that really kind of drove them to having these insecurities or worrying about what they put in their body and all that sort of stuff to a unhealthy point. Um, it's made me really conscious and I really want to bring Harvey up with just like such an appreciation for what his body can do and everything. And I, I agree. I mean, again, I was very lucky with my birth, but it makes you feel so powerful. It's so empowering. How are you though? Like being a model and and people looking at your body probably a lot of the time more than they're looking at you as a person. Do you feel like Mm. you're looking in the mirror differently and, and how's your relationship with your body? Yeah. I mean, like I, I'm in a really good place mentally with my body. And I, I, as I kind of mentioned, I'm just trying to appreciate it for what it's done and what it can do. And, um, I'm just so excited. I'm feeling stronger and fitter. I'm, I'm not where I used to be, but that's my motivator is to kind of get back there. And I, I can't wait to feel that way. Um, but I think, you know, going through the modeling industry and everything, I have always got this voice in the back of my mind that does kind of, especially on the bad days, creep back up. Um, I'm just better at squashing it. And I think the hard thing, to be honest, is I do have insecurities and I do, you know, have those moments or those days or those moments every day um, where I do go to say something negative about myself in the mirror or there is something that I, I'm not comfortable with or things, little things have changed. And no, I haven't made, you know, my body, uh, I was quite fortunate is, I hate the word, the term bounce back because I don't, I don't advocate for it or whatever. I think our bodies are going to continue to change from, you know, little girl to teenager to woman to pregnant to not pregnant postpartum to we're old. Like they're going to continue to change and that's part of the journey. But my body is, you know, kind of going back to a similar state to what it was before pregnancy. And I think some women have almost made me feel bad about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, yeah, it's not something that I was trying to do and I was trying to focus on. So I, I get upset when, you know, someone might say like, oh, you just don't know what I'm feeling because you look exactly like you did. I mean, number one, I don't, and I don't feel exactly how I did. And that's what I've always focused on the way I feel. Um, but yeah, I just, I, yeah, I get a bit like touchy about it because I just think for me going through the modeling industry, I saw these six foot you know, size six girls who back then I thought, oh my God, these people, like, look at these women, these super women, supermodels, sorry. And they had insecurities. And I was like, what? How do you have an insecurity? Like you look the way you do. I think it's just important to remember no matter what size you are, um, everyone, no one looks at themselves and thinks that they're perfect. And everyone is on a journey of body acceptance. And I just think it's really important. Reminder. Yeah. I think I like to think of the term, I don't want to bounce back. I want to bounce forward. Because I think as a, like, motherhood, I, and I think motherhood, I was like, ah, oh, motherhood's not going to change me. I don't want motherhood to change me. It has changed me in the best possible ways. And then I also think 
um, with bouncing forward, you have to recognize that compliments are really weird. Like people might say to you, you don't even look like you've had a baby. And you're like, thank you. What? Yeah, but I want to. Like, I'm yeah, a mom now. <laughs> yeah, it's like... It's, Give me and that. I think that's another thing. It's like the best the, the best possible case scenario in society is having a baby and then having no um, evidence that that happened. And it's like, well, what, why? What is... What, what, why? My, my body just created life. Like, that's pretty epic. And I, and I think it's okay to also be like, look, I've got these stretch marks now and I've, I've got this and that and I'm not happy with it. It's okay not to be happy with it. And I think we have to normalise that because there's that, like, toxic positivity of, like, well, if you're not in love with yourself, then you're doing it wrong. And it's like, whoa, let's just hold up a second. Um, but, yeah, we have to kind of relook at the compliments that we're giving we're giving women because if if the compliment is you don't look like you've had a baby what is that saying about women's body so so if my body does look like I've had a baby then what that's cool yeah <laughs> yeah it's like okay agree. Mm, I think it's just you think about those things a lot more now because you're feeling the impact and then you've also got these little people that you're trying to teach. And so I find myself looking at the language that we're using, especially around our kids and going, oh, what's that about? Where's the misogyny in that? Or oh, that's part of the patriarchy that I have to, uh, I have to look at. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we'll constantly be learning and picking up more and more. I'm sure there'll be a day where they, they teach us. <laughs> Oh, I think so they much. teach us more than, I, I honestly, they'll teach us more than we'll probably ever teach them. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and Maggie, before you go, I know we've, we've touched on like unsolicited advice, you know, when you, when you get some advice that you didn't exactly ask for. Um, <laughs> but is there a piece of advice that you have received that you actually held on to and found really helpful that you would like to share? From my mum, who is the light of my life, she's always said that, um, her children are her, the loves of the loves of her life. And she was the one that said to me, have no expectations, have no expectations and celebrate the wins. And the win could be that you had a shower and I have to, like you, I have to constantly remind myself, no expectations, no expectations, but it's the one thing that I do hold on to. And I love my mum. If I can be half the mum that she is, I'll be happy. And I just, I feel so lucky. So lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me, Maggie. Um, I'm going to put your details in the show notes because I honestly recommend everyone listening to give you a follow. Thank you for always being so open and honest and raw and real. And yeah, and, and honestly, thank you for your time. I know you're busy and you've got the two little ones at home. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Maggie. She's such a legend and I highly recommend giving her a follow. I will pop her information in our show notes. 
And guys, if you love tuning into the Kick Pod, we would be so grateful if you could jump onto the Australian Podcast Awards website and vote for the Kick Pod for the Listener's Choice Award. I'll pop the link in our show notes. We will be back next Wednesday with another Kick Pod, and I will be back in your ears for another Kick Bump Kick Pod the following Monday. If you'd like to learn more about Keep It Cleaner, you can head to www.keepitcleaner.com or you can find us on Instagram at Keep It Cleaner and I am at Steph Claire Smith. Thanks for listening. Oh,